We're going to carry on with our new series. We, this, we started a new series. Was it last week only? It seems like forever. But the start, we started this new series called By My Spirit. And our foundation scripture is from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, which says that it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And you remember last week we started in Genesis chapter 1. And we thought, oh, oh, we're in this for a long time. But anyway, we started in Genesis chapter 1. And we saw, the, we saw the work of the Holy Spirit right at the beginning in creation when the Holy Spirit was hovering across the face of the deep. And he brought order out of chaos. And then we fast forwarded to John's gospel, John chapter 3. And we, we spoke about how um, Jesus, speaking to Nicodemus, said, you must be born again. And so we saw at the new creation. So Holy Spirit was evident at creation, the beginning of the world, but at the new creation, the start of a new life in Christ, um, the Holy Spirit is present. And the scripture in in John's gospel says, um, flesh gives birth to flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit, the capital S, is Spirit. When we found out that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life. Amen. Amen. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that we're so sure of that, about that. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> yes, amen. So, and we continue to see the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. And, um, but we will see that the way the Holy Spirit manifests in the Old Testament is a whole lot different to the way that he manifests uh, or compared to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people, individuals, empowering them for certain tasks. Whereas under the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the, the believers, a believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside, indwelling them, okay, within them. So just a couple of examples of these from the Old Testament. We see um, from Samuel, when uh, in the book of Judges, we see that the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible says, came mightily upon Samson and empowered him to tear a lion apart. I mean, you know, you read these things, you think, yeah, okay, he tore a lion apart. No, the Holy Spirit <laughs> empowered Samson. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson mightily so that he was able to tear a lion apart. How many people have torn a lion apart this week? No? No? Nothing? Nothing like that? And not only that, a little bit later, ropes that bound Samson snapped like burned flax. They just snapped. So the Holy Spirit came upon him, empowered him, gave him supernatural ability. Our, our, our main scripture from Zechariah 4, verse 6, is the prophet, um, God speaking to Zechariah the prophet, and he's saying to Zechariah that Zerubbabel was the one who laid the foundation for the temple and that he would be the one who would accomplish the building of the temple, but that it wasn't by might, it wasn't by power, but it would be by the Spirit of the Lord. <coughs> Sorry. 
We also see the Holy Spirit gifting people in certain ways for the building of the tabernacle. There's this guy in Exodus 31 called Betsaiel. I've been practicing that. Betsaiel. <laughs> I'm sure it's wrong. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. It just doesn't flow, you know. Anyway, he, this guy, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gifted him with an ability to design artistic works. Hey, Ros, we're in good company here. Hey? Well, you are, <laughs> not me. But because he, he gave him the ability to work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, in cutting jewels, in carving wood, um, and all other manner of workmanship. And I, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit empowered this guy, Betzal Ail, um, with this gifting, and God sought of equal importance to gift him as much as to empower and gift Moses and Aaron. So everybody has a part to play. So you know where we're going with this, hey? I can't miss out on this opportunity. Everybody's got something to bring to the table. You've got a gifting inside of you. You've got an ability inside of you by the Holy Spirit, which you need to put to work. So we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. We see Joseph, he had the ability to interpret dreams. And then we see the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And this is where it starts getting a little bit more exciting. And we see when God led Moses through the wilderness out of Egypt, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that was the manifest presence of God, that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire was the manifest presence of God. And a manifest presence of God is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. You know, throughout the Bible, we see the, how the Holy Spirit manifests in different ways. He can come as a cloud. We see again on the Mount of Transfiguration, the, 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 the mountain got covered by a cloud. That was the presence of the Holy Spirit. The, so the Holy Spirit can manifest as a cloud. We can, he manifests as fire on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Next Sunday is St. Pentecost Sunday, and I've got a message already brewing, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna share on that next week. Fire, wind, the, the rushing mighty wind on the day of Pentecost. Not just only there, but throughout the Bible. A dove, oil, these are symbols of the Holy Spirit. But we see Moses leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, and this pillar of... Uh, this, this pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And the Bible says, it's in Exodus 13, that the purpose of the pillar of cloud was to lead them. And the purpose of the pillar of fire was to give them light. Isn't that like the work of the Holy Spirit in current day? You know, Romans 8 says that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We live in such a better dispensation of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, some people say, oh, I'd like to go back and live in biblical times. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm glad we are here now at this Kairos moment. So the Holy Spirit leads us from within. And then another example is in Exodus 3, where Moses encounters the burning bush. Remember that, where the bush is burning, but it's not consumed. And then God's voice, God speaks. Remember last week, when God speaks, all the Godhead of God, 
Holy Spirit, Father, Son are present. God speaks and he says to Moses, do not draw near. Because Moses was intrigued. He started looking at this burning bush and God says to him, do not draw near to this place. Don't, don't draw near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Don't come near. The presence of God was there. This is a holy place. God says, don't come near. The reason he said that was because that which is unholy cannot come near to that which is holy. And Moses took off his shoes. He had to take off his shoes. And that taking off of his shoes was a sign of humility. I love it when in the book of Numbers, Moses says these words. He says, Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. And who was the author? Moses. <laughs> he had written those words himself. I think, man, he should have got that humility badge, you know. But the problem was he would have worn it, you know. The most humble. Moses the humble. But anyway, but he took off his shoes. It was a sign of humility. But it was also a sign of reverence and respect and submission that hang on, this is God, this is God. So that presence of God at the burning bush and all throughout the Old Testament is the same presence that manifested in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And the tabernacle of Moses was this temporary place that was being built, that was built for a place of worship for the children of Israel and um, while they wandered through the wilderness, it was, it was almost like in a flat pack format because it, it was like a get-up-and-go tabernacle, you know, it was a pop-up shop. And, um, but God gave them very specific um, building instructions. It was very detailed about the, the, the context of the, the building of this tabernacle. And in a, in a nutshell, we're not going to go into great detail I wouldn't know where to start, to be honest. But, but the tabernacle was divided into two rooms. There was the holy place, um, which we, the, in the holy place was the table of showbread and the golden lampstand and the altar of incense. And then there was the holy of holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. That's where the presence of God was in the holy of holies. And separating these two rooms was a veil. It was a thick curtain that ran from floor to ceiling, or from, from ceiling to floor, actually. It wouldn't go from the bottom up. It would go from the top down, surely. But the rooms were separated by this veil. And that veil separated the unholy from the holy. And the only people allowed into that holy of holies would be priests who had been specially ceremonially made clean. And they only went into that holy of holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. And um, it was a frightening thing. It was a scary moment. But the priests entered into the holy of holies once a year to atone for the people's sins using the blood of of bulls and goats. That's what happened. And, but you've got to remember, that's the tabernacle. This, is, this was not God's perfect final plan. God's plan was always, 
always to dwell in man and not in buildings. And the way that he did it, the way that God's plan worked out was, we read about it in, uh, in Galatians 4, it says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. God sent forth his son. So we're going to look a little bit into this now. So John 1, 1. Take a sip of water. Are you okay? Are you still with me? I heard that, yes, amen. <laughs> in the beginning, in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was in the beginning with the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, we drop down, and it says, and the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Oh, can you imagine the glory? We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But I just want to sit there a little bit. The word of God, the word Jesus became flesh. He took on human form. You can read about it in Philippians 2. Jesus took on human form and dwelt among us. That word for dwelt, tabernacle. Jesus tabernacled among us. And when Jesus went to the cross, when he died on the cross, remember the account, there's this big earthquake that hits the, the area where he was crucified and the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two. It was torn in two. It was torn, it was ripped from top to bottom. And I just think it was ripped from top to bottom, not from the bottom up, from top to bottom. That was a work of God. That was a work of God. God made a way. That living way, I read it first when we opened the service, that living way by the blood of Jesus, no longer bulls and goats, but the living way by the blood of Jesus. And that blood of Jesus makes the unholy holy. Oh. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. God has made a way. So under the old covenant, God's presence, his spirit was limited to the tabernacle. That's the only place he could, he could dwell in. That tabernacle is a Hebrew word is dwelling place. But under the new covenant, God is made for the Holy Spirit to tabernacle, to dwell in us, to dwell in us. Praise God. And from the Old Testament through to the Gospels, we see the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, confined to bricks and mortar. It wasn't really bricks, but you know what I'm saying, to a tabernacle, to a tent. It was the, the, the Spirit of God was confined to bricks and mortar. But under the new covenant, under the new covenant, His Spirit, um, God has made a way for the Holy Spirit to tabernacle with flesh and blood, with us, with flesh and blood. Hallelujah. I'm trying to preach. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit now 
tabernacles with man. So God's plan was always to dwell in man, not in buildings. And what Jesus did on the cross, what he did on the cross, is what made that which was unholy, holy, so God could move in, so God could take up residence. He could take up permanent residence in our lives. How awesome. How awesome. Hey? Awesome. God, the creator of the ends of the earth, dwells in us. But Lord, don't you know my past? No, it's in the sea of forgetfulness. Forget about your past. In Christ, you're a new creation. You're made new by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Forget your past. Forget about it. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? At salvation, we become the tabernacle, the tabernacle, the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence. He's moved in. That word for dwell, the, the Spirit of God dwells in you, is the Greek word. Okay, here we go. Oikeo, oikeo. <laughs> Say that. Oikeo, oikeo, oikeo. And it means occupies, inhabits, and remains. The Holy that the Spirit of God occupies his place in you. The Spirit of God dwells, he remains in you. He inhabits you. The Spirit of God inhabits you. The message says it like this. It says, God has taken up residence in you. God has made what was unholy, holy, and he's taken up residence. Romans 8, verse 11. Okay, we're going to go a little deeper. Are you ready? Romans 8, I want to encourage you, read Romans 8. Read it every day. <laughs> Chris's Bible is sort of, the, the ink is smeared on Romans 8 because he reads it so frequently. But just get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Romans 8, verse 11, says this. But the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Oh, sorry. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Okay, I'm just going to labor this a little bit. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, oikeo, okay, the spirit of God oikeos, oikeos you, oikeos you, he inhabits you, he dwells in you, he lives in you, he's taken up permanent residence. If that spirit of God who dwells in you, inhabits you, lives in you, um, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, there's an additional, there's something extra here, 
There's something extra. He's going to give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells. It's not oikeo. It's not oikeo. It's en oikeo. En oikeo. And the Greek, that is a Greek word which means to not only be at home, but also to influence for good. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead oikeos in you, he dwells in you, inhabits in you, he's taken up residence in you, if that is the case, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, there's a benefit, there's an advantage, there's an influence in our lives, will also, he doesn't just do it, he also gives life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who enoikeos you. He influences you for good. Man, if this isn't good news, then I don't know what is. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. You're feeling tired. You're feeling weary. Guess what? You've got the spirit of life himself living on the inside of you. He's going to give life also to your mortal bodies through his spirit who enoikeos you. He dwells in you. He influences us for good. He influences us for good. Oh, praise God. Praise God. God's not left us defenseless little orphans. You know, we don't have to have an orphan spirit. Oh, woe is me. I don't know how I'm going to get through the next week. No. Go to Romans 8 verse 11. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. Start confessing it. Start proclaiming it. Start declaring it. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me. He will also give life to my mortal body. He's going to influence me for good. He's going to influence me for good. Right, where do I go with this? Right, Romans eight twelve and 13. Next verse. Therefore, brethren, ah, here it comes. Therefore, brethren, sistren, we are debtors. We are obligated that we have a part to play. Not to the flesh, not to the part, the unrenewed part of us that is still carnal and natural. We are obligated, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, my way, the Frank Sinatra way. We are obligated not to do that. For if you live according to the flesh, look at the result, you will die not just talking physical death, we're talking spiritual death. You, live, you feed your flesh, gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy, you know, it's for me, 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 myself and I, you will die. There's no fruit in that. But if by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have an obligation so the Holy Spirit at salvation, when we are recreated, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. He comes to dwell in us. He comes to influence us for good. But the Holy Spirit doesn't take over the driving seat. We've got to allow him. We've got to invite him in. You know, it's like when there's a management buyout in a company. So, um, so I don't know if any of but he's experienced this. 
if you're working for a company and suddenly there's a, t a management takeover, the first thing they do, they fire the boss. Get rid of the management. Get rid of the senior management. They've got to go. They've got to go. Why? You can't have two bosses. You can't have the new boss coming in and the, the old boss wants to do things his way and then the new boss says, no, it goes, we go this way. So you get rid of the boss. So what happens when we get born again? We're no longer ours. We're not the boss anymore. We give the Holy Spirit reign in our lives. We cannot have two heads. It's out with the old, in with the new. The same with the salvation. With salvation. We've got to hand over the steering wheel of our lives and allow the Holy Spirit, as he, as he, as he, as he prompts us, let's yield to the Spirit of God. Let's yield to the Spirit of God. You know, God's not given us this list of do's and don'ts. He's not saying do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that. Instead, because the list of do's and don'ts are just impossible to fulfill. We just can't do it. But the Holy, Holy Spirit has enoikadoed us, making his home in us and influencing us for good. So how does this work? We've got to become spirit inside conscious. I, I just want us to do something quickly. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and become aware if you are born again, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, become aware of the Spirit of God inside of you. It's so important to become spirit inside conscious. It's good for us to take some time and just become spirit inside conscious. You know what, if you, the, the Bible says there's so many ways we can do this that we can respond to the spirit of God. You know, if you're tempted in an area, maybe you're tempted with chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're tempted um, to give up. Whatever it is, the Bible says, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. So if you're tempted in an area by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit who's influencing you, well, there's a partnership. There's a partnership. The Holy Spirit doesn't take over the steering wheel of our lives. But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit, we've got to give him free reign. Well, I heard this at the conference. Don't just let the Holy Spirit dwell or ikeo in you. Allow him to reside in you. Give him full reign. To reside means to dwell permanently and continuously. That's, you know, we're residents here. We live here permanently and continuously. We don't live here for one day and then we move somewhere else. We're here continuously. Allow the Holy Spirit to reside in us continuously. Become God inside conscious. Give him total access. Give him total access. You might as well give up now. I tell you what, he's going to have his way. Because, you know, we sometimes resist God. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one who does this. But sometimes, you know, you, you, sense, the, you sense the prompting. You, you sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's like, mm -mm. No, I don't want to do that. 
No, that's that's a bit painful. Mm, that's gonna be that's gonna hurt my flesh. No, then guess what? Okay, he won't force you. He's not gonna take over the driver's seat. He's like, okay, but we'll go around this mountain one more time. <laughs> Until eventually, okay, God, I give up. You can have your way in my life because I give up. You, you know, so you might as well surrender now. You know, if, you, if you're resisting God in any area, just give up. You might as well do it now and get it over with and just let move on because God's got too much stuff that he wants, other stuff that he wants to do in our lives. So we've got to put to, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body because he wants to influence us for good. You know what? Our greatest call in life is not to have a big ministry, a worldwide ministry, um, you know, a business with my name all over, the, all over the door. It's not about titles. It's not even about getting the most people saved. That's, that's not our biggest call. I mean, that's all. The, uh, getting people saved is very key, is very important. But it's not, it's not even about being blessed. You know, well, I want to be blessed, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the, you know, blessed, 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 blessed. Our greatest call is to conform to the image of Jesus. That's our greatest call, is to conform to the image of Jesus, to become more like him. Oh, I just want to become more like him. And the way we conform to the image is through the word, we read about what's he like. You know, what does he do? How does he think? How does he speak to people? How does he react? How does he respond? So it's through the word and through the indwelling presence of God, through the spirit of God living on the inside of us. We've got to learn to spend time with the Lord. I, I want to challenge you this week. I'm sure everybody here does this, but spend quality time. D don't go with a list. Just spend quality time talking to him. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's, what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Tell him, tell him how much you love him, like we did early in the service. Tell him how much you love him. Have an open heart and allow him to minister to you. He wants to, he wants to touch your heart. He wants to do so much. He wants to influence you for the good. He wants to influence you. But we need to become aware of his indwelling spirit. We need to become aware. We need to yield to the Spirit of God to allow him to rule and reign in our lives. And as we do so, he will guide us. He will lead us. He will direct us. All that stuff will follow. But we need to seek him. Listen to this. This beautiful scripture. I'm probably going to end with this. But 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. says this, well done, well done. Alice is doing a great job, isn't she? She really is. Thank you, Alice. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, that veil has been removed, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what? There's so much in here 
The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. But in verse 18, he says, but we all, and I love that, we all, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This is combined. This is a community of believers. We all. You know what? You think you're doing well until you get into the shops or you get around people. <laughs> you know, I can, I can get along really well with everyone um, in the house until I go shopping. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I just want to go home. <laughs> I don't like these people anymore. But you, you, this is where you grow. It's in community. You know, I'm probably rubbed everybody up at least 10 times since this church started four and a half years ago. You know, at least that. I know, I, ha I don't do it on purpose, but we rub each other up. We wind each other up. I don't mean to, but, we, but, but this is where we grow. We don't grow in isolation. We grow in community, but we all, with unveiled face, that veil has been torn, it's been, it's been dropped, there's no veil, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. It's a process. We are being transformed. We are busy changing. We are going from glory to glory. From glory to glory into the same image of God, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, we're not changed by behavior modification. We're not changed by guilt we're not changed by condemnation. Well, I feel guilty. Oh, okay, so I'll stop doing that. It's not going to help. It's not going to help. You're going to land up going in a little loop, and you start feeling guilty because I did that, and then, oh, I must repent, and then, okay, then I'm back into this because I'm becoming sin-conscious. We're not going to become sin-conscious. We're going to become spirit on the inside of us, conscious, righteousness conscious that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. By the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body so that we may be influenced and grow. So the burning bush at work in our lives, the, this is the work of the burning bush with an unveiled face as well, talks of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God, looking into his face. We're not going to him with a prayer list. We're not going to him with a prayer list. We're coming, we want intimacy, we want, we want to behold him face to face. Let's open up our hearts to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. I think I'm going to end it there. I wanted to carry on a little bit about being sealed with the Spirit, but I think we've kind of get it, hey? We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. There is a day coming when we're either going to die physically, we're going to go home to be with the Lord, or Jesus is going to come back. Either way, we're sealed with the Spirit of God. We are sealed. You know, there's a holy seal upon your life. You're marked. You're marked by the Spirit of God. Why? So God knows. He knows by the blood of Jesus Christ, he knows you are his. You belong to him. And you know what? We have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Reminds us, yes, I know who I am too. I belong to him. I'm aware of the Spirit of God on the inside. So you're chosen by the Father. You're redeemed by the Son. And you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's pray Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that 
Lord, your word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that we are free from guilt, we are free from shame, we are, we are free from our past, we are free from sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Lord, that, that, you, that you strengthen us, you influence us, you inhabit us, you seal us, you fill us with your presence, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that in the week ahead, Lord, that you would remind us, Lord, that we're even going to remind ourselves. We're not going to leave it up to you to remind us. No, we're going to remind ourselves. We are going to set, even if we have to set a date in our diaries, Lord, to you I'm speaking to, Lord, but if you not have to set my date in my diary on a daily basis, I'm going to spend time with you. I want to be looking into your face. I want to be beholding your glory. I want to be seeing you for who you are. I want to, I want to look into your face, God. I want to look into your face and see the beauty of the Lord. See the love and the mercy and the acceptance and the kindness and the compassion and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I just want to give everybody a chance. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and today you want to do so, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never received him and you want to receive him today, what is, what's been spoken, it hits a chord in your heart. You're not sure if you were to die, where would you go? Would you be with the Lord or would you be separated him from him for all eternity? Is there anybody here? If you want to raise your hands, we'll pray for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that we are indeed chosen by God, redeemed by the Son, and filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God to influence us for good. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for every person for a fresh understanding of the indwelling presence of God in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name.